Courage for Beginners by Karen Harrington, published by Scholastic, Chapter 40. Here is a girl risking the consequences. People will come from all over the world to get an appointment with me, so I need to start learning different languages, don't you think? Rama asks as we walk home. It's the least I can do. Maybe you and I can learn French together. Wouldn't that be great? In the waiting area, we'll have beautiful carpets and a candy dispenser with wintergreen gum and copies of The Big Book of Facts by Wayne Kolbach. I will still go to lunch with you if you call far enough in advance because my services will be in high demand, okay, she says. Okay, I reply. Ramakan, she is a dreamer, a dreamer with actual wings disguised as a scarf, wings in fabric of every color. I couldn't wait to get home and hear Laura's clear, well voice. I went through the front door of 4520 Fargo Drive and found her asleep on the couch. Is she better? I asked. Much, Mama says. Her face looks tired and old and smudged with lemon yellow oil paint. How was your day? Mom asks. Fine, I reply. Isn't that the world that isn't that the word that doesn't really mean fine? Isn't that the word you use when you don't really want to talk about your day? When you just want someone to already know you are not fine. Mom takes my hand and guides me to the kitchen table. I hope she's about to feed me bread or something. I could eat and go pull up my comforter and let it do what it's supposed to do, comfort. But there it is. It's you, Mom says, pleased as punch. I worked all day on it. There on the table next to the stupid hugging salt and pepper shakers is a painting of the Eiffel Tower, all done in sharp black paint against a bright white canvas. At the base of the tower is a red-haired girl with a chick haircut and a yellow dress. The faux me is smiling. The real me is not. But mom seems happy, so I don't want to throw a rock through her fragile imaginary window of being fine. But sometimes it's exhausting trying to keep someone happy, trying to keep worries away from them. You have to shut off your own feelings and concentrate on making them feel better, which haven't I been doing all this time? Pushing crackers under her door, walking in the rain, taking care of Laura? When is it my turn to feel bad out in the open instead of just making it clean sheet day? My mouth stays shut, but I can't keep that long, warm tear from rolling down my face. And darn it, I'm being a mushy girl, but who is here to see it anyway? What is it? Mom wants to know. I can feel a big, dark thing rising up from the bottom of my feet. A tremor not unlike what animals feel before an earthquake. It tells them to run, escape, get away from danger. But since there's no place to run, no higher ground of safety in 4520 Fargo Drive, all I can do is use my voice. It's a scream, my scream, a loud and close and from the bottom of my feet scream. Your voice is your most powerful weapon. I scream loud and long and dad probably hears it, hears it all the way to the hospital. It probably makes the crack in my ceiling grow wider makes a layer of dust fall off of our green Toyota. Maybe it was only loud inside my head. Now it is a deafening quiet. Laura doesn't even stir. So I think I imagined the scream and kept it inside. I feel a headache bloom. And before you know it, I am really and truly leaving the area of danger the way animals do because all I want to do is smash the happy hugging salt and pepper shakers to bits. For their own safety, I must get out of here. Can I see what's wrong? Mom asks as I start toward the front door. 
That picture, I yell. That picture is not me. What? Mom asks. It's not me, I say. It's a picture, of course, but she starts to say, Never mind, I tell her. But Misty, I thought you loved Paris, she says. I said, never mind. Don't worry about it. Whatever. I'm going for a walk, I tell her. But Mom starts to say, It's fine, I say. Here is a girl who cannot control photos or paintings, but who might possibly solve a mystery. I don't expect that woman who goes somewhere is particularly dangerous, but you never know. She might be a secret spy carrying messages to her contact, licensed to kill anyone in her path. She might be training for some kind of reality show where the winner gets a million dollars for doing the same thing the longest, and if you get in the way of her and her prize, she will kick you into the next week. Or she might just be a garden variety weird weirdo. Probably. The ground is damp and cold, even though even through the orange coat. Smoke rises up from two chimneys and the neighborhood smells like a fireplace. Through the tree branches, I see someone coming down the sidewalk. Then I see the tail of a blue scarf and know it is Rama. Rama, over here, I say. Rama sits down on the ground with me and I tell her my plan. Thanks for coming over, I tell her. If she is a criminal, you'll have a witness and a medic, Rama says. Plus, we can always act like we are goofy if she happens to notice us. Well, we are goofy, I say. So, we wait. We chew gum. The clouds cover what little sunlight there is. And I worry that it will rain and make this walk miserable. More miserable. The social would be a night to remember, Rama says. Thy titanic sinking was also a night to remember, I remind her. Come on, we should try, she says. You have your optimism intact, Rama, and I like that about you. But if you think I'm going to embarrass myself even more at baby middle school when I'm not required to be there, you are six shades of wrong. I'm just counting days off the calendar until it's over, I say. That's sad, Rama says. Just sad. Before I can protest more, a woman who goes somewhere walks up wearing cobalt blue boots and burnt sienna pants. She's also wearing a short-sleeved Venetian red t-shirt. Typical. She is never dressed for the right weather. At least that's one thing in the world you can count on. One thing. I count to 30 and then Rama and I emerge from our hiding spot. We cross the street so that we aren't walking directly behind the woman. The woman's pace is slow. She walks to the end of Fargo Drive and turns left. Because I always turn right on my way to Tom Thumb, this is going into new territory. My heart beats a little faster when we make the left turn. The woman stops for a second and adjusts her boot. Rama and I pretend we are just out for a walk. Natural. I pause to tie my shoe, only my shoes have Velcro straps, so I have to act the part. I check my watch. Eleven minutes have passed since we left 4520 Fargo Drive. Finally, a woman who goes somewhere turns left down Boston Street. We trail her to a house on Boston that features bright blue shutters and an angel statue in the front yard. The woman bends to pick up a morning paper and continues up the walk. Walk faster, I tell Rama, and we speed up on the opposite side of the street. As woman who goes somewhere unlocks the bright blue front door, a big tabby cat darts out. That's when we hear her voice for the first time. 
hello there, Lucy. Let's go eat, she says to the cat, and walks inside the blue door house. Her perky voice doesn't match her sloppy appearance. It's high and delicate. If she called you on the phone, you'd think, oh, this woman is nice and polite, and her name is probably Amy. What's our plan now, Rama asks. I must bring a good story back to Laura, I think. I have to talk to her, ask her a question, I say. What if she pulls that knife on you, Rama says. Nobody pulls a knife on people in broad daylight, I tell her. It's not that bright out, she says. This is the kind of weather most often described in books when something mysterious happens. This is you being helpful, right? I ask her. But as a future doctor of the world, I will know what to do if she uses her knife, Rama says. I can make a tourniquet with my scarf. You would take that off for me, I ask her. Only if you were dying, she says. That's sweet, I say. Just don't get stabbed, she says. My mother would be so upset. I should feel scared about approaching a stranger, a really strange stranger. Oh, mom would be so upset with me. Too bad for her. I'm now more immune to suggestions of unusual danger. Perhaps that is not a good outcome of being a walker myself, but it's true. Abductions, feral animals, and strange people all seem to inhabit the television. You get used to being on, on alert. We don't have to wait very long to make our next move. <coughs> the wind shifts and you can feel a little rain in it. Rama and I pretend to be really interested in the acorns on the sidewalk. When woman who goes somewhere comes outside the house, she locks the door and walks farther down Boston. We catch up to her. Hey, I say. The woman turns. I don't spot a knife. What do you do in that house every day? I ask her. I feed the cat, woman who might be called Amy says. That's it? I ask her. Yeah, the people had to go somewhere in a hurry, she replies. Do I know you? So, you just walk around the neighborhood and go feed a stupid cat, I say. That's what I just said, she replies. Just walk by in mysterious clothes just for a stupid cat? My voice cracks and I step closer to the woman. Misty, it's okay, Rama says. No, it's not, I reply. That's a stupid, stupid end to this story. Woman who goes somewhere looks confused and slightly worried. Are you okay? She asks me. This is just ridiculous, I say. Are you even from Texas? Um, Ohio, actually, the woman says, but I always thought I was meant to be a Texas girl. Rama says, it's okay. She was just curious. Have a nice day. Au revoir. This is Rama trying to make things nice, smooth. I pace around and kick the curb. I can't believe it. I can't believe she was just feeding a stupid cat. Calm down, Misty, Rama says. Is there no mystery here? None at all? Nothing is right. Couldn't I at least get a good story from my sister? I mean, I don't think I believe that woman. Feeding a cat? Really? She's dressing full moon crazy, walking around getting people's hopes up that something exciting is happening out in the world and it's all because of a stupid cat i say misty rama says a cat i reply laura will never believe me it will make her sad to think that adventure and mystery didn't really walk past her house each day 
that there is not something more exciting beyond our wood fence, beyond our windows, our front door. All the exciting things when you get up close to them are empty of excitement, like oil paintings. They are copies, but not the real thing. All that art is lying to you because guess what? The person who painted it did not actually see those flowers, did not see those ships, did not see a girl in Paris. The kids at school did not see the real me. They saw a cartoon picture that Ani Gomez could use to get a few jokes. It's all fake, faux. No one sees things clearly. Everyone is too afraid to see things as they are. Well, that was interesting, Rama says. No, not interesting enough, I reply. I thought you were going to attack that woman. That woman, you were acting all... She starts to say. Nefarious, I ask. Yeah, nefarious, she said. What's up with that? Well, I'm tired of being disappointed. Disappointment is exhausting, I tell her. We've reached my house now. I don't want to go inside yet. Let's keep going, I say to Rama. Are you going to be okay, she asks. Sure. Everything always turns out just okay. Maybe that's the problem. You want something different, something more than okay. Okay is vanilla, I say. That is why I like you. You want something more than the common seventh grader. That's why I sat next to you in the cafeteria, Rama says. What? You sat next to me because there wasn't any place else to sit, I tell her. No, I mean on the second day, Rama says. Oh, I reply. So, dream for more, she said. Dreams are free. Are you getting all psychological on me now, Dr. Khan? I ask. Psychology is my backup, my backup plan, she says. Well, don't give up on your plans, Rama, really. Go and be a doctor who saves the world. If you don't... I couldn't take the disappointment. Go and do it. You are the bravest person I've ever met. There's hope for you, I say. We're in the front of the green shuttered house now, the house where a girl with lots of backup plans lives. You have hope too, Rama says, so forget the boy. Forget the cat. I still can't believe it was just a cat, I say. Forget it, Rama says. But, I mean, a stupid cat? A cat that didn't even have an exotic name? Couldn't I get a frisky McCracken or Anzel Von Paws or something? Is that too much to ask? Misty, your own dog is named Larry. Rama says. Ramakan, I say. Ramakan, she replies. Thanks, girl with scarf, I tell her. No problem, girl with the great friend says. That, Rama, sometimes she makes my heart dance. That's the end of chapter 40.